Hello and welcome to the Committed Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be uh, talking about some testimonies and having uh, some pretty good conversations with friends. But most importantly, before uh, I think either one of us three gather together, we try to pray um, and just allow Holy Spirit to do what He wants to be done. Um, so Lord, I just uh, want to come to you and I thank you just for the opportunity and the um, ability just to gather with brothers and friends and talk to potentially millions of people around the world. And we're so grateful for that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just use us, uh, that you would um, just let us only say the things that you want us to say and that it would be completely led by you, uh, that we would not uh, get in the way of what you want to do. And I want to pray for the listener, uh, whoever's listening to this that needs the help and that needs uh, the victory that comes through hearing testimonies and knowing that they can get through it because John or Will or myself was able to get through it. Uh, So we thank you for that. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. All right, so uh, I am Matthew Wright. I am the media director uh, at Grace Life Church, and I'm also a college student, and um, I am a senior. I've got one more year left, and then I'm going to be a teacher. Uh, To my right is my good buddy, uh, John. John, introduce yourself. uh, Tell the audience what you do and who you are, and then we'll we'll go over to Will and get started. Um, I'm John. I'm in college. I have one more semester, got five credit hours, and I'll be a social work major, and then I don't know where I'm going to go from there. But, but the Lord's going to help you and take care of you. To my left, my buddy Will. Uh, my name is Will Richardson. I um, currently work in remodeling. I got my carpentry certification through Putnam Career and Technical Center, and so that is my full-time job, and that's what I do. Praise the Lord. So... Uh, I think maybe a month ago, um, I got a dream while I was sleeping um, of just kind of sitting together with people and interviewing them. And the Lord woke me up, and we just talked for probably about an hour, him and I. And I was like, so what are we even going to be doing? And he was like, I want people to be able to share what I've done for them. And um, I was like, well, I was like, that's just that's just powerful. But um, the enemy, you know, when, when something powerful like that comes to you and you get an idea, he loves to attack. And the, where's the battle? Well, we, we say it all the time, the battle's in the mind. So that's where I was being battled. And I'm glad that I have brothers and John and Will that I was able to text and be like, please pray about this for me um, and just give me what you guys think I should do. Texted some mentors about it as well. And I'm glad that you guys said that we were good. And then, uh, actually, John's pastor, Pastor Brad, he gave me the verse of Revelation twelve eleven, and it says, And they have defeated him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And I think a lot of times when we go through storms in life, when we feel like we're struggling, when we feel like we won't have any breakthrough, um, we feel like we're going to die. And I think that through the testimony of Jesus, because we see in Scripture, First John 
uh, 5.11, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this is in his son. That's a testimony of, number one, his goodness. The best theology that we can have is God's goodness. And then another reason that I wanted to do this is to prove to people that God's power is still in operation. Um, there's, many, there's many testimonies and committed, uh, Will, your hand has been healed. We, we've not only had physical healings, but we've also had emotional, mental healings as well. Um, people being able to forgive one another. There's so many testimonies that not just us three can share, but there's so many people around the world that can share their testimony of God's goodness. And that's why I believe the Lord has brought us here is because we are called as disciples of Christ to be the light in the world. And so many people are living in darkness. The only way that these people can get out of that darkness and come to repentance is through God's goodness. Um, and, and that's what scripture says. Scripture tells us that um, men come to repentance because of the goodness of God. It's not anything else. So I would just want to take time uh, for however the Lord um, wants to work in this podcast or forever, how long we do it. I just want to continuously not produce because you, you can't even produce it. It's what he does. But I want to tell the story and evidence of his goodness. Um, so whoever wants to go first, I've told, <laughs> I've told both of these guys, you can go as deep as you want to. And that means being vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, I mean, the Lord really begins to work. Um, but also, you can be as surface level as you want, just most importantly, being obedient to Holy Spirit. So, Will, uh, you're up, man. All right. Well, I was brought up in the faith. Um, my dad was a, a, an assistant to pastors and is now the one who speaks at our home fellowship where I meet um, every Sunday. And so, you know, as you know, there's a lot of us as believers that were brought up um, from, from a young age, and it almost becomes a second nature. Amen. And yes. There's, yeah. And there's, um, there's usually a finding of yourself somewhere in there. You, you fall out of church. You, you lose connection. And, and you have to find it on your own because, you know, he's, he's not a God that lets somebody live our Christian life through somebody else. He, we have to find that on our own. And so there was, there was quite a few um, times throughout my life, and sometimes I didn't even realize it, that I was... Um, where I made choices that I, I had no other choice but to find my own. Um, and I'm just going to start, and wherever the Holy Spirit takes me is, is where Good. I go. So complete freedom. The place. Pe um, complete freedom. Yeah. Well, um, I think we're just going to go ahead and, and dive right in and be vulnerable, like you said. Come on. Come um, on, baby. Come on. But at the, at the age of eight or nine, somewhere around in there, I, I don't know um, exactly when it was, but um, I was introduced to um, – what sexual sin was, and uh, it was something that I didn't, I didn't inherently know was wrong. But I mean, I felt the guilt, I felt the the shame of doing it, and I didn't know why. And it was something that I got caught and wrapped up in. You know, I'm, people think eight to nine is a surprising age, but it's it's not. <laughs> um, I mean, it it is fairly young compared to some, but and it was something that that has has followed me all the way through most of my life until really. Recently, I feel like that I've come have complete freedom of it, and it was it was because I tried to fight that battle on my own. Yeah. And so the you know the overcoming sexual sin and pornography and lust is one that is 
a battle that most men will fight for the majority of their life. And, you know, it's on a much smaller scale once you get it under control. But that was something that I've been recently delivered of. Praise the Lord. I want to ask you to go a little bit more into that um, because you, you begin to talk about how you were getting over that because of community. Can you just talk about, like, how important it is to have a community of believers to help you through those struggles? I mean, absolutely. There is... There is a testament as to why we have to have communion with God, but also community with, with each other and, yeah. and as a group. And I think that, you know, people that believe and who knows, maybe it's different for them. People that think you can live stream your, your relationship with Christ is just completely false. It, obviously, I believe if somebody couldn't get into a church and, you know, somebody across the land, you know, there, there is no church. But I, I believe if, it, if it's available, that, that it is imperative that you are in church that you are with the body of believers, that you are going to a young adults group, that you, that you are doing something other than surface level. Otherwise, your relationship with Christ will never be anything deeper yeah. than surface level. You will not have restoration and freedom yeah. from all the yeah. things that we hide. Most of the time, you know, everybody thinks, oh, well, I'm all right. I'm, I'm okay. But, you know, if, if you really want to restore yeah. and get those things down to the root, mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible without, yeah. uh, nearly impossible without a group of brothers and sisters around you to support you and help you through those things. I think one thing that we are blessed about in our guys group is that because we are able to be vulnerable, it makes other people almost want to be on our level. Not saying that we are on any level other than just having a relationship with Christ. Yeah. That, that's where we're at. But it It's make, a level of depth, not a level of hierarchy. Yes, yes. And because of that, even me included, I've heard other gentlemen in our group say that they were able to overcome what they were going through in that struggle. And I have to remind myself, okay, I cannot be down on myself because I fell into temptation. But you know what? I'm glad that we can have this moment because next time maybe he'll be the one that fails I won't fail, and then we can just build each other up. Yeah, but I, I just thought that we needed to to expound upon that yeah, that part. But keep I going. Think it's the number one problem in, in young men, especially in the church. I think that's one one of the things the devil uses more than hard, almost anything else. Um, another another thing that I had to overcome was something that I said my whole life: I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna get into alcohol. I'm never gonna drink. I'm never gonna, you know, touch that. And that was prominently true all the way up until my my senior year of high school um and I couldn't tell you what what caused it what really got me into it but I think I just was falling out of my relationship with Christ I'd lost my drive I was blinded by the world and I wanted to to try something and so I got um I mean fairly addicted to alcohol for maybe uh half of a year or so and it was uh it was something that I think, I, you know, I hate that it happened. I hate that I went through that. But I think it was so important that I got through it then that now I'm, you know, at the age of, I think, 18 or 19, I was able to be completely rid of it and, and have no interest in going into it anymore. But I saw what it did to the people around me, and I saw how much it made them crumble. I saw how much it made our relationships crumble. And I was able to, by, by the grace of God, say that th- this is not for me. And I mean, this is this is a, a little story that I every time I'm a very all or nothing person. So so when I went to these parties and I drank, I I went as about as hard as I possibly could until until I went to sleep. And so and 
I would wake up in the morning. I was never hungover. I was never sick. I got up the next most, most times on Saturday. I got up the next day, drove 45 minutes from, you know, Party Central and, um, you know, a place in West Virginia. And, you know, drove back to church and I was, you know, half, half there, half not, you know, and I was playing guitar in, in service and, you know, the Lord still helped me. You know, I was convicted. Every amen, time amen. See, you know what? That's that's the awesome part about, like, why we need to have these conversations. Because even while you were in sin, the Lord still helped you to play. The Lord still was helping you while you were in church. And he still gave you the drive and the discipline, even when you felt like you didn't have it, to get to church. So whoever's listening that feels like because you're in sin— and because you're struggling with something doesn't mean the Lord's not going to help you. He's still going to help you because that's how good he is. Yeah, and, and there was and there were so many times I was like, I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing that again. And I encourage anyone through any kind of addiction to continue to speak that light. Yeah. Because if I didn't, I would have never gotten to my last. I'm never yeah. going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, and so back to, back to the story, I was getting, you know, I was, getting crazy drunk all the time my through half of my senior year. And then I finally was like, all right, this is destroying everything around me. I'm done. Yeah. I stopped for probably four or five months. And I was like, well, Jesus, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test this one more time and see if yeah. I can go, if this is something that, because I know some people in their life, you know, some Christian people I know in my life, and this is between God and them, yeah. they can have a drink every now and then. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to have one drink. You know, I'm a big guy, so I need a, I need something that's going to help. You know, so I had I had a, gl- a glass of uh, some kind of whiskey, liquor of some sort. I don't honestly remember exactly what it was. But, and that was it. That was all I had. Didn't Literally did not affect me at all. What did not, I don't even know if I barely maybe got tipsy, right? Woke up the next morning, was the sickest, probably maybe the top three times, sickest I've ever been in my life. Wow. And I'd never been sick all the times that I got way, way, way drunk. But the one time that I said, all right, I, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to test this. And if this one doesn't work out and I can't control myself or whatever the circumstances are, then, then I'm going to lay it down. And <laughs> I was thankful yeah. that I woke up the next morning yeah. sicker than a dog um, because it was like, all right, Jesus, you, you don't want me to touch alcohol. Yeah. It's, it's not something that I can do ever again. And, you know, by God's grace, I, I've never drank yeah. again. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, and so that, w- that was a time where I had to find myself. Yeah. And now here's where I, I'll, I'll share one more part of my uh, testimony. And it was when I got into Committed. And oh, there was, um, I think it was September, uh, maybe, of last year, of 2021. One. Yeah. yeah. No, September of 2020. It was when it was. Yeah. September of 2020. And um, I had, I don't even know who invited me. I don't know how I got into this, but I, I went to a prayer. The night. Lord, the yeah, Lord. There we go. <laughs> That's the answer. He knew I, need, I needed a, a, people, a group of people around me. And there was a girl there. And I went to high school with this girl and never had a um, conversation. No, never had like a, a, a bad conversation. Never had anything between us, per se. But. For some reason, I had a resentment built up against her. And I don't know what it was. I I had no idea. And so I've been to a couple meetings, and I see her there, and, like, it's like every time she opens her mouth to speak, it's like, oh, she's speaking again. And I'm like, God, I don't need to be feeling this way about her. Why do I resent her so much? And 
and eventually one night I, I, I said to her, I was like, I was like, I, I, I need, I need to get clear. My heart's yeah. not clear. Yeah. And I, and I said, I don't know why. I could not pinpoint a reason, but there is some reason that I, I have a resentment towards you. Yeah. And, and I don't know what it is, but I want to get it under the blood. And yeah. I, I want, I want to pray it through with you. Yeah. And, and be courageous and step out mm-hmm. into, into a vulnerable place with you. Because, you know, I loved her and I cared about her and I didn't know why I felt this way. You know, we talked about it. Maybe it was maybe it was the way the devil was trying to battle and for some reason have me have an unknown resentment towards her yeah. so that we, we wouldn't mesh together yeah. one day later in life. And if we think the devil's not scheming years in advance, we're, we're incorrect. He's going to try to get to us through the people that we love in any way that he possibly can. But there's always a chance for redemption. And so, and so we prayed, and, and it was a process, and it took me probably at least two or three weeks of continued prayer to get this completely under the blood yeah. and get those thoughts to quit churning every time yeah. I saw her. And, you know, by God's grace, you know, we're, we're friends, we love each other, and, you know, if we see each other, it, it's never an issue anymore. And so, you know, I was just thankful that, that that's how, that was the beginning to me being with this group. And, you know, he has, in the last year and a half, my spiritual maturity has just been, it's been wonderful. It, it has helped me in my relationship with my fiance, Micah, and we've been able to, you know, read and pray together and, you know, do things together that we never really did a whole lot of. We did some, but, and so, you know, I'm just you know, thankful by God's grace that I am where I am and that, that my relationship is as, as strong as it is, still needs to be strengthened, but, but. I guess that is my testimony. Can you, Will actually has a lot more testimonies than just that. But I I know that you're trying to just spare time. Can you share just whatever the Lord wants you to of how he literally has saved your physical life? Will has almost died a couple of times and the Lord like has stepped in and saved his life. Okay, so... um. In my mother's womb, we're gonna go through the the events. All right, hold on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that um that I think that it was the, simply the devil's uh you know scheme to try to to take me out seriously. Um, and that that's not a joke. That's that's serious. It's not, I know we're laughing, but there are certain people. You know, I'm nothing. I, I'm just a servant. But he will try to keep people out of the kingdom. It's like his sole job. It's his mission is to keep people out of the kingdom of heaven. Um, in my mother's womb, I had water on my brain, and um, I had water on my brain, and I was supposed to be born autistic and maybe live to about 12 years old, and they went back and did another ultrasound after a few of the saints and pastors had prayed, and Come on. Yeah. and there was no more water on my brain, yeah, that's a miracle. and that I was born healthy, and yeah. that I was born, um, yeah. you know, free of, of issues. Yeah. Um, there was probably... And from the time that I was maybe in second or second grade to, to before I got to middle school, I'd probably been to the ER at least at least once or twice a year for stitches, for um, different things. My appendix was on the verge of rupturing. I think I slept for almost 48 hours straight um, just on the couch, you know, get up, use the bathroom, get back to sleep because I was in so much pain. Um, and thankfully, my parents got me to the hospital in time before it had ruptured. Yeah. And they eventually did the emergency surgery as quick as they could to remove my appendix before it ruptured. Um, you know, there was uh, trying to trying to keep them in order. You're good. You're good. And uh, 
So I think there was one time I was I was in the woods and I was out working on hunting spots and um I was clearing branches as I was taking my ladder up the tree to a tree stand um to hang and I chopped the end of my finger off and by God's grace there was a quarter of it sliced like this. I don't know if the camera can see that. Um and show it. It was sliced like this, and by God's grace, there it is, all filled back in with the nail fine, and and by God's grace, I was healed, and we had to get the truck two half mile and a half, two miles out of the woods. Yeah. My buddy that didn't have his license drove. Um, it was it was quite the adventure, <laughs> and um, and then there was this is a uh, probably the the most severe one I would say I was. Still in high school, I believe, junior, senior year, and I was working on a roof with my uncle, and uh, I was walking a chalk line, and if you know, you got a chalk lines up the roof to where you set your shingles, uh, and so I was walking a chalk line, and I walked it directly, I walked directly back off the roof, and at the same time, my father was across the partway of the country, was working with some men, and he walked into this, I'm, I'm keeping it short, so bear with me. He walked into a mechanical room. He works for uh, Cracker Barrel Country, old country stores. And usually this room is always uh, trashed and destroyed. And, you know, it's always something he's got to clear things out to get to the roof access. Well, he comes into this room and it is spotless, except for one trash can in the middle of the room, right near the ladder. And, um, and he goes in there and he goes to grab it and is going to open the, the door and sling it out the door. And the Lord stops him and says, well, why are you angry with the trash can? And so he, he went to move it, and he moved it right back to where it was and left it be. And they go up the roof, him, my dad, another guy, and the last guy goes to come up the roof, um, and he climbs up the ladder, has a diabetic reaction, passes out, falls back down 12-ish feet, and lands butt first, folded up into the trash can. <laughs> and if he hadn't, yeah. He would have fallen to a concrete a floor, yeah. could have been paralyzed, yes. could have busted his head open, and was only left with one little cut on his head. Because he was obedient to me. Because my, my father was obedient to, to leave the trash can where it was. Yeah. There was no need for him to be angry, and it saved the man's life. Yeah, amen. And it was almost simultaneously as the time that I'd walked back off of the roof, fallen 12 to 15 feet. I believe it was God's grace that I believe that I had either passed out in the air or something, but I was limp when I fell because I had landed with zero injuries. And my dad, you know, when he tells the story, he believes, by God's grace, his obedience helped soften my fall when I fell. And when I fell, inches beside me was a concrete sidewalk. But I fell right in the grass. And, you know, by God's grace, I walked away with very, very little, I mean, just soreness, no broken bones, nothing ruptured inside my body, pretty much no injury. Yeah. And then there was my, my uh, experience with vehicles has been something as well. You know, I flipped mm -hmm. and rolled my truck down the highway. Thank God no yeah. other car was involved. Nope. Do not be on your phone while driving. Um, it's a good lesson. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, I walked away with, with a couple bruises as I rolled a vehicle rolled down the, the vehicle, highway. Got up and walked away. Keep your seatbelt on. It's important. But there's just... And there's probably a few more, yeah. but just the 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 protection that I yes. have yeah. the, of the angels that my mother, my father, and those around me have prayed for, and that Jesus mm -hmm. has put on me, 
has has saved my life on on multiple multiple occasions. And that's that's just more evidence of his goodness, Absolutely. like we were talking about. So if if you are are struggling and, and you think you have a hard life and a bad life, Will doesn't have a hard or a bad life. These things just happen. But God is so good that he spared him so many times. Well, John, I don't know if you have any life or death situations like Will, um, but whatever the Lord's given you to share or, or however free you feel to share, you're, you're up and you're good to go. So I'm going to start, I'm going to kind of skip like my whole life till I was about 19. And I was in youth ministry at the time. I was a youth leader at the church I was attending. And we were at church camp. And it was uh, the last night at church camp. And, you know, we're, about, we're around this big fire. And there's like some like stadium type of seats around the fire and everything. And I'm standing up, and, like, everybody's up worshiping and stuff. And the guy that is a guest preacher, he came from North Carolina, great guy. He, he was there, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, what are you going to preach on tonight? And he was like, I'm not preaching, you are. And I was like, well, I was like, I, was like, I don't know what you mean, bro. I was like, I haven't prepared anything. You just told me. He was like, don't worry about it, man. Just trust the Holy Spirit. And I was like, all right, bro. And so I go back there, and I'm praying. I'm like, God, look, I don't know what that I'm about to not, say. I was like, I don't know not. what I'm about to say. I was like, this is Dude, crazy. if that happened to me, I'd say, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> I was like, bro, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I was like, this dude's crazy. And so I end up preaching, blah, 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 and crazy things happen. And so I'm talking to the night, and he was like, look, I'm supposed to preach tomorrow on Sunday, but I want you to come up after me and finish it. He was like, what did hey, you preach on? Uh, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even remember. It was crazy. But That's a testimony I'm, itself because even though you were unprepared, Jehovah Jireh, yeah. the provider, provided for you. So, I mean. And so that Sunday – I'm sitting there, I'm like, holy crap, like, I, like, I've never preached in front of, like, a, like, the main service, like, youth is easy, there's, like, 15 kids, that's easy, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. but, like, I'm like, dang, like, I'm about to have to preach in, like, front of, like, 300 people, I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna say, yeah. I'm, like, freaking out, so I get up there, and it's kind of the same thing happens, he's just like, all right, he's like, he's like, he finishes his message, he's like, I'm gonna have my, my brother John come up here and share, and so I went up there and I shared, and at the end of it, and this is all God, about 30, 33 people get baptized, huh. it was crazy. Wow. And so we had some youth that night that wanted to be baptized after uh, I finished preaching that night. But we didn't have a way at the time to get them baptized. The pool wasn't filled, so it would have taken too long. And so they were just like, well, we'll just do it tomorrow morning. So then at the end of the service, about 30, 33 people would get baptized. We were there forever, dude. Uh, <laughs> but I get to that point, and that's like the highest of the highs. You know, then, then like uh, this one lady, Jennifer Smith, she started calling me John the Baptist. And like, yeah. so that was like my nickname. They were like, John the Baptist. And so I get to, like, the highest of highs, and I kind of had a David moment where he sees Bathsheba. You know, David's at the highest point of his life, you know what I mean? Like, he's killed Goliath, he's the king now, like, he has everything he wants, and he stumbles, and it's all gone. And I got to that point, and I got, I would say I got prideful to where it got to the point where, like, because all this stuff that happened, you know what I mean? Like, great stuff was happening, okay, in my life that God was using me in mighty ways. Like I said, 30-some people get baptized. There was a guy I prayed over once, his eye was healed. Like, there was crazy things God was using me for, but I got super prideful and thinking, shoot, I was like, if I can do this stuff, like, nothing's going to, like, I'm not going to stumble, you know what I mean? I'm not going to mess up. Well, I did. And my whole life was literally, like, flipped 180. Like, everything I I had, everything was gone. Like, the church I went to, I left. Like, the people I was there, I, like, left. Like, it was crazy. Like, my whole life was changed like literally all I had was God (laughs) like literally like nothing else like like I was like so I that that next Sunday is like I said I left the church um some some stuff happened and so I left the church 
and uh, don't I don't really talk to some, most of the people there anymore. I talk to a couple still. I actually go to church with some of the people now again at a new church, um, but and so like my life was kind of wrecked, and I was like super depressed. And what's crazy is I started reading a book, and it's by Brian Johnson. It's called When God Becomes Real. And if you don't know Brian Johnson, he's one of the pastors at Bethel. He used to, I don't know if he still lives, but he was one of the worship pastors at Bethel. He was kind of the guy that started their whole worship group. And he, he was telling a story about basically like where his life kind of happened, the same thing. Like his life flipped 180. And he, he, his way said, this is when God becomes real. Yeah. It's easy to say God's real when everything's good, but do you really believe that God's real? How, how real is your relationship when you're walking through hell? When you, when you literally have nothing left in this world. And you are, and you're, you're just put on your knees. Yeah. The only thing you can do is look up. And I, and for me, at least, that was the moment I realized that like God is a real person I can have a real relationship yeah. with. And and I believe that most people listening right now will be able to say the same. When everything is stripped away, you have nothing left. You you have no emotions like yeah. being depressed. That is when the Comforter. You, you really start to feel him yeah. as, as the comforter. Yeah. And so I get going to this new church, and this is probably about, I think I was 19 or 20 at the time. And uh, the youth pastor there at the time, he's like, man, he's like, I want you to come work, like, help me up with the youth. And I was like, sure, bro. I was like, oh, whatever, I'll do it. And so um, some people started talking to him and telling him stuff. And basically, he kind of found out everything that had happened at the old church I was at, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, he was like, well, man, the uh, people in, like, the head leadership don't feel comfortable with it and stuff like that. And I said, bro, it's whatever. Like, I don't care. I was like, if that, that's it, then I'm done. And so I left. He didn't, he didn't really care so much, but it just had to be whatever. It's whatever. Um, so it was kind of that point where I hit, like, bottom of the bottom, like, super depressed, super, super filled with shame. You know what I mean? It was, like, everywhere I go, like, holy crap, like, everybody's judging me like they know. You know what I mean? Like. It's like you walk into the room and like everybody knows like all your deepest darkest secrets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like dang. You know what I mean? And I remember I was in I was in service one day and the pastor there. This is after this is like the week it happened and he's up there and he's preaching and he says at the beginning of his message he says this message is for two people. He says if the rest of y'all catch it that's cool. But he said this message is for two people. He said my name and a girl's name. I don't remember her name. And Dude, it was like spot on. It wrecked me. Like everything wow. hit me. Wow. I was like, and he, it was, um, what, literally, literally <laughs> and it was, I remember it was when Moses sees the burning bush and he goes to him, well, what does God tell him to do? Take off his sandals because it's holy ground. And he was saying, look, the dirt that you are carrying on your feet, he's trying to cleanse and le- yeah, let you leave that behind. Yep. And dude, it wrecked me. And so like, I don't even know how to like describe it. Like, I'm, like I'll never forget the day it hit me. And, but one of the things that helped me the most was, in that time of where I was super depressed, super filled with shame, like, like I, I, I couldn't even describe, like, how bad I felt. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things, like, you can't describe unless you walk through it. You were numb. Yeah. And, but one of the things that helped me was, is getting around a community of people that would encourage and uplift me. It didn't care where I messed up. You know what I mean? They didn't care how bad it was. They didn't care what it was. They were there to love me and care for me and help me. And I was reading, I've been reading uh, the Gospel of Luke. And that one of the things that I've noticed and picked up on is a lot of the times Jesus, his main message is this, and he says it in John 3, 3.17, but it's all over the Gospel of Luke. He says, I have not come to condemn, but to save the world. And 
I got to, it's uh, Luke 7, I think. I, I have it marked on here. I'm not going to read it. But it's um, Jesus gets invited to this Pharisee's house, and he's, in, he's sitting there at the table with the Pharisee, and this woman, who's in a, it says she's a notorious sinner. They don't really know what that meant, whether she was a prostitute or what, but she was a notorious sinner. And so she comes, and she washes Jesus' feet. She breaks the alabaster jar and does all that stuff. We all know the story. And the Pharisee's like, if this dude really is who he says he is, he should know the woman that's touching him, and he shouldn't be letting this. And it was crazy as I was reading the commentary, and he said the Pharisee was quick to point out the person's, the woman's sin, but Jesus was quick to point out her repentance. And so I think one of our biggest issue is we have a lack of repentance. We struggle with repentance because we think we're going to come to a God that's ready to strike us down yeah. and condemn us and send us to hell and all this stuff. Yeah. But when you recognize that, that the relationship isn't that, it's just you and a father. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of our issue comes from our earthly father. You know what I mean? If you have a bad earthly father, you're going to have a bad relationship at the start with a heavenly father because we depict the, our, our picture of our description of the heavenly father is based on our earthly father. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if I messed up and I went to my earthly father, I'd rather be in jail. Like, yeah. I remember I messed up in middle school one time, and I was like, they, called, they were calling my dad. I was like, not like, y'all don't get it. I'd rather be in jail than have to go home to my dad right now. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, he was, I love my dad, but I was like, nah, I'd, I'd rather go to jail than have to, yeah. you can ask my brothers. They, they'd all say, say, say the same thing. But um, it was kind of like that. And so in that season of where I was broken, and it was like, and, and getting around those people, Daniel, Emily, Nate Halstead, Matt Steele, Molly, all of them. Us. Is, yeah. <laughs> well, you all weren't there at the time. I know, I'm just kidding. But I, I began to learn the true heart of the Father. And I think if we don't have a true heart of the Father, then the rest of this means nothing. If we, if we don't understand what, his what did us, What did Jesus say he came to do? Reveal the heart of yeah. the Father. Yeah. yeah. And, and he came to do exactly what we're doing right now to show that the Father is good yeah. and he's a good Father. He says eternal life is knowing the Father. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think we, so, so, so many times is we don't understand the Father's love. Mm -hmm. And when you don't understand the Father's love, you don't understand your identity. Yeah. And you know what I mean? A lot of times then we act like, in, in the prodigal son story, there's two sons. One walks away, one stayed faithful the whole time, okay? But when he comes back, this other son comes back, you know, the father gets really happy, he has a big party, kills the fattest calf, all this stuff. Well, the other son gets upset about it. And he, he starts talking to him, he's like, you don't get it. All this stuff that I'm giving him, you've already had. You've already had it, yeah. And I think so many of us are Christians, but we don't know how to be a son or a daughter. And I think when we don't know our identity, that's dangerous because we can, we'll, we'll take anything as our identity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us fill our identity with our mess-ups, where... For me, my identity became my shame, where I, I walked around in shame. I lived in shame. I lived in, like, doubt if I could be anything, I could do anything. But once I recognized the Father's love for me and that he truly does have grace, he truly does forgive, I can now walk in identity of son, you know what I mean? And it changes your whole life perspective. It does. It, I think, and and this is this is me, when you get to your identity as son, daughter, the beloved, that is truly when your testimony comes together. Because my, my testimony was um, pastor's kid, pastor's kid, depressed, and then when I was depressed and sad, so like literally you were talking about just like you can't describe the emotion. The emotion is nothingless. It's called numb. You're just, you're just numb. And when I was at that numbing point where it's like, why do I even want to live? Boom, I find my identity 
now you have a reason to live. And I think that's really when you can bring all the testimony together. Um, that's, that's really what I wanted to talk about today was just like that testimony, realizing who you are, why you are, and then the Father's goodness. Um, I'm, are you done with your testimony? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. That's what I would say the two main things like for, you, for people to understand is first, the Father's love for them. If we don't really understand the Father's love, it's impossible for us to even live in freedom, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because if I don't think he loves me, then how can I actually think that he forgave my sins? You know what I mean? Um, but the second thing, well, well th- I mean, that that's huge. I mean, I can't even get off that. You know what I mean? Like, you've yeah. got to know the Father's love. The Father's love for you is so great and so vast that, like, any sin can be covered. Any any mess up, it doesn't matter how big or how small, whatever it is, he can forgive it because that's God. Yeah, did, you know yeah. what I mean? He, he, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't matter what you've done as long as you believe in him and, yeah. and then work on the cross. You know what I mean? His love for you never changed whether you were a sinner or whether you weren't. He still yeah. loved you because it says while we were yet sinners, mm-hmm. he, sent, yes, he sent his son for us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So even though, I'm a, even though I was a sinner, now I'm a son. You know what I mean? And there's a change between that. And I was uh, Tony Dye was talking about it one day. He calls it the great exchange that we yeah. gave him his we gave him sin and he gave us son. Yeah. You know what I mean? We give a bondage and he mm. gives us freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, you know. But the second thing is get around a community that encourages you and uplifts you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So many of us have friends that, you know, I remember whenever I started actually following God, like I had so many people, like, I lost tons of friends. And it was partially because they'd be like, oh, bro, like, you don't need to do this, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I cut them off because, like, I don't need that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, if I'm trying to do something, I need people that will sit there and encourage me and uplift me. Yeah. One of the uh, – <coughs> a, a good mentor of mine, Daniel Craigo, I remember I started going to this thing called The Gathering in. I don't know why, but he just started every – like, after, at the end of the thing, he'd be like, John, you got anything to share? And I'm like, no, man. And I'm like – he'd be like, all right, cool. And so then the next week we do it, next time we meet up, John, you got anything to share? I'm like – no nah, man, like, and so he, I was like, he was like, all right, cool. And so then come again, same thing. He'd be like, John, you got anything? Like, nah, man. He's like, all right, cool. And he would never force me to it, but he would always try to push me and guide me into yeah, it. Yeah. And now he can't get me to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It was like he got to the point where like it would it would it would like escalate where it started off where he would like in in a sense beg me like he would ask me to do it. Well, then we got to a point where like me and him would just like. Like, me and Will, like, if we just looked at eyes connected right now, like, me and, like, me and Daniel would, like, look at each other, and we'd, yeah. like, he, it would be, no. like, he'd be, like, yeah. he'd be, like, all right, yeah. go ahead. And so then I, and, but whenever we get around people, we can start walking in things that God had planned for us because we have people that encourage us and uplift us, you know. Yeah. Um, as I was studying First Corinthians, one of the greatest uh, <clears throat> gifts is the, is the people that are known as the helps or yeah. the helpers, whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? They don't do anything but encourage. Yeah. They don't do anything but do whatever, all the behind stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of stuff that we don't want to do, but whenever we can just help and encourage each other, it's crazy what yeah. encouragement can do, you know what yeah. I mean? Is I tried to, I was, I coached middle school basketball, and I was telling one of the guy, one of the kids, he was getting really mad at some of the teammates, and I told him, I said, look, bro, I was like, look, you're right. What they did was wrong. You're right. What you're saying is right, but it's not about what you say, it's about how you say it. When you're sitting, when you're saying it in a way that's diminishing them, when it's putting them down, that's not going to produce anything. But whenever you sit there and you're like, "Hey, look, bro, I get you, you messed up, but this is what you need to do," like encourage them, you know what I mean? And I think we have to get around people that encourage us and uplift us and strengthen us, love us and guide us, you know what I mean? All right, that was great. Now you said you guys are like, "Yeah, he has no questions for us." I do. Um, 
So just to end it, I want to end um, every podcast that we do with a question for the guests. And the question would be, what is one piece of advice that you have for um, this generation? So most of the people that are going to be watching it are kids our age and kids a little bit younger and then probably older people like our parents, grandparents, stuff like that. Um, So what piece of advice, and it can be life advice, it can be spiritual advice, what piece of advice would you give this generation? John? I'm just kidding. John always goes last. If I had to say one thing, it is it is finding the balance. Um, we can get so caught up in communion and reading our Bible and praying, and it's essential and it's imperative, but we can get so into that, which is I feel like it's usually not the problem. Usually it's the other side, but there's some you know sometimes we can get so into that that we forget about the fellowship. And we forget about the community, and we forget about the service, and we forget about the people. I mean, and really, when you forget about those things, you're forgetting about the people. Mm-hmm. You're forgetting about all the people that need you to be their shepherd, and you're trying hard to be a sheep. But you got to listen. It's time. It's time to grow a little bit. Yeah. Now we're always going to be sheep, always. But there comes a time when we step up as a shepherd. Yeah. And we also have to be careful on the other side that we're not only coming to church on Sunday that we're only going to church on Wednesday, that we're only going to the meetings, and we're doing nothing at home. We're doing nothing in our prayer closet. And I would say that's the majority of what we run into. Mm -hmm. A lot of us can get to church. A lot of us, you know, as John says sometimes, you know, we're always going to church to get fed or, you know, to be filled up. We we need him, we need him, rather than going to church to to serve, to to help fill others, to encourage others. Um, You're You're supposed to be eating at home. And then coming here and serving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's there's there's a testament to when all the believers come in ready yeah. and we're not ready after an hour and a half of hearing, yeah. there's so much more spiritual power that God can do. Yeah. But it's so hard for God to work in the church when we don't have oneness, when we're not in one accord, when there's, you know, something that Sally hasn't forgiven Dan for. You know what I mean? Yeah. When we have those things between us, we have to work for an hour and a half, and by that, by that time, everybody's ready to go. Yeah. But I tell you what, when everybody comes in ready yeah. to experience what God has, nobody wants to leave. Yeah. Today in service, my dad ended and finished. We all just kind of sat there and looked at each other because it was so sweet and it was so wonderful yeah. Yeah. that we didn't want to go. Yeah. Now, there is a time when that it does have to come to, to, to an end, but... The most important thing, it never ends, but you know what I mean. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying. Um, Finding the balance between those two Mm -hmm. and and, and riding in the middle. God God is not going to ask us to do the extreme of either. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he he, he wants us to to be balanced in in him. Mm -hmm. And and if we're following the Holy Spirit, he's going to get us there. But just finding the balance and, and walking with God is, is very important. All right, John, any piece of advice that you would give this generation? Spiritual life advice does not matter. I would say, and it's, it's just going to reiterate what I shared earlier, is like you got to know the Father's love for you. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you recognize his love for you, it changes you completely. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's impossible to say you know the Father's love and still live in the, in the, in the past. You know Talk I mean? about, we were talking before um, Will got here about um, that pastor that, he, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't give his wife flowers on Valentine's Day yeah. because cause if you're a Christian, you would love, you know what I mean? What yeah. we're talking about, share a little bit about that. Uh, Dude named Damon Thompson, check him out. Um, unless you really want to be convicted, then don't check him out because he will hurt your feelings. <laughs> so if you want to like be uplifted and encouraged, and like that's all you want to hear, and like yeah, don't listen to him probably. Um, but uh, no, nah, he was talking about just uh, falling in love with God. And what was the thing? I, I think it, this is what it was. Uh, he was talking about that if we truly love God, Christianity is not. If I truly love God, Christianity isn't hard. I can spend hours in a church service. Why? Because I love God, and his presence is there. If I'm so in love with him, time means absolutely nothing to me when I'm in his presence. You know what I mean? And he was talking about that, like, I don't, I don't, uh, he said, I don't buy my wife flowers on Valentine's Day. He was like, but I'll buy them other times of year, either December 2nd. <clears throat> but his point was this is that we try to set it up to where I only have to give God the appropriate amount of time, the appropriate days, and my relationship with him is okay. But if that's the case, then do you really love him or do you even know his love for you? Because when once I recognize his love for me, because scripture says that we didn't love him first, he loved us loved first. Us. You know what I mean? And that our love for him is a total reflection of how much he loves me. I can't love God if I don't know how much he loves me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when I recognize that he's given everything for me, he gave his son, I can give everything back to him. Yeah. So my time, my money, my relationships, all of that, that stuff's his because his love for me was that great. You know what yeah. I mean? But um, <clears throat> I don't even know how I got there. But my piece of advice would definitely be get in scripture and find out how much yeah. God really loves you. Because once you realize how much he loves you, your life completely changes. When you yeah. recognize that you could be like, like the prodigal son in the pig pen. You know what I mean? The worst thing you could do in Jewish culture. And the father ran to him, embraced him. You know, he didn't say, all right, well, you got to say 10 Hail Marys. you got to do this to gain my love. you got to do all these prayers. you got to tithe this much. you got to make sure to be here on church at this time. He said there there wasn't any, like you said, there wasn't any effort. Like, it's crazy. He rehearsed, you can look in the scripture, he rehearsed entirely what he was going to say to his father. But when he gets there, his father interrupts him halfway through because that stuff didn't matter to him. He was just happy his son returned to him. So if if that's you today and you're feeling so shameful and condemned that, well, God doesn't love me, you know what I mean? Like, he he doesn't know what, trust me, he knows what he did and he died for it. He loves you and he cares for you. He calls you son and daughter even when you don't call yourself that. And so I think that that's one of the big keys for this generation is we have to know how much God really loves us because when we know that, it changes our entire yeah, and we'll be greeted the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, we'll, we'll try to start confessing and saying, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that. And Jesus yeah. is like, you're forgiven. Yeah. He's like, don't don't waste your time even yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. I love you. Hey, let's party. Yeah, for yeah. real. Well, so uh, New Year's Eve was a couple days ago, and I uh, saw a verse that was posted on Facebook. I shared it in the group message. It's in Luke 15, and it talks about how um, the Father – saw the son running off and he said grab the fatted calf grab the robe and then the last sentence in that little part of the scripture says now let's celebrate and and that's what we should be doing you know we we should be gathering around celebrating the things that god has done for us so that we can go out and live a celebratory life and people on the streets that need our help like john was saying 
we can help them because we have a celebration inside of us. Um, I just want to thank you guys both for taking time out of your guys' days. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, now I want to have a challenge for the rest of the month for everyone that I try to post. Um, and this is for anybody listening and, of course, us three here. Um, we just talked about how God loves and forgives no matter what happens, and we're going to be greeted the same no matter what. You know what I mean? So I have a challenge for all of our listeners and for us this month. If you know someone that kind of like you were talking about that girl earlier where every single time you saw her, you just didn't sit right, greet her as you would greet me or John or forgive as the Father has forgiven us. So whoever you struggle uh, loving or greeting or forgiving, my challenge for you this month uh, is to dive in to knowing that identity and knowing how forgiven you are so that in return you can forgive. Um, I appreciate this so much. Uh, You can check out the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Um, Other than that, if you guys want to add anything, I'm, I'm good to go. Thank you for having us. Yeah, always. Uh, John and Will will be back on the podcast. Uh, We hope that you guys are ready for the rest of this year. 2022 is going to be great. Uh, We love you. Thanks for joining us. We will see you later. Bye.